Welcome into episode seven of Dig City, a Purdue volleyball podcast hosted by myself, Daniel Gilman, alongside Purdue head coach Dave Shondell. Episode six was right after the win at IU, and since then, we've closed out a four-match road trip with wins at Northwestern and a five-setter at Ohio State and a four-set loss at Nebraska. And coach, first off, how do you think some of your younger players treated the tough environments of this, this tough road stand? Well, I think they embraced the environments. You know, we didn't play uh, at, a, at a super high level at Nebraska, uh, you know, which is the biggest venue that we're going to play volleyball in. Uh, but I, I don't know that the crowd had a lot to do with that. I think Nebraska's team had a lot to do with that. I thought John Cook, as always, had his team well prepared for us. Um, his freshman on the outside, Cubic, uh, had a career match against us and she had plenty of help. And so I thought Nebraska played at a really high level. Um, but I, I think our young people are doing fine. You know, we've played a, a couple, three freshmen in, in those matches that you're talking about, mostly Emma Ellis and Maddie Skimmerhorn. But, you know, Maddie Chin's played a little bit. Maddie Cook has played some. And uh, I think they've all responded, you know, really well. But we're also young in that sophomore class as well. So you're talking about Grace Cleveland and, and – um, Maddie, I mean, uh, Horning, Mo Horning, and um, our setter, Haley Bush, that are also, you know, kind of just going through their second time around. So we are young, but I, I don't feel like we're young. I don't go on, I don't go into matches feeling like we've got a young team. I go into matches feeling like we're going to compete and we're going to play at a pretty high level. Three five set wins this season, mm-hmm. all three of them on the road, too. So how how much more difficult is it to have to go into a road environment, focus, especially when you lose the fourth set like you did against IU, like you did against Ohio State, and have to regather yourselves and then come out strong in the fifth? Well, I I think a lot of wheels have to be turning at at that point in time. You know, I I love going into a fifth game because you have more flexibility with what you can do. You have more substitutions in, in, you know, 15 subs in a 15-point game you're not really limited to what you can do. And so you can make some adjustments that you may not be able to make. Not that we had to do a lot of that, but you just feel like there's there's no limits to what you might be able to do from a coaching standpoint when you get into a fifth game. And, um, you know, I think the more experience you have, both as players and coaches, benefits you when you get into a, a longer match like that. But I, I think the important thing that those the last two five-set matches that you're referring to, one was at Indiana – where I know for as long as they planned on building that new venue down there, okay, the Wilkinson Hall, I believe it is, Wilkinson Hall, somebody's been thinking about the night Purdue comes into that building. And I know I've been thinking about the same thing because I was slightly worried, you know, that they were going to have a lot of things in their favor on that particular night. Um, So for us to go in there um, and, and win that match, uh, against what I consider to be a, a talented Indiana team that was stoked and ready to go uh, to beat them in five, uh, 15-13 in the fifth game was was a huge win uh, for our team. And then to almost do the exact same thing at Columbus at another brand-new building, um, Cavelli Center, which is like Indiana's, is kind of a volleyball wrestling uh, venue. Uh, both are very, very nice. The Cavelli Center, I think, probably put a few extra dollars into their 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 building over there. Uh, both had great crowds. Both probably had, I think Indiana had their 
record crowd in the in the history of Indiana volleyball. They had a record crowd down there. Uh, they had a good crowd over at Ohio State. But we fought and managed to to, to persevere. And it was some young people that did some good things, but it was also our, our, our fifth-year seniors that also led the way in those respective matches. You talk about substitutions, and a lot of people are going to just look at you know Emma Ellis coming in to close out the, the fifth set in both of those matches. But I think a key choice in the Ohio State match was to take out Blake serving at 14-13, bring in Emma Terwilliger, and then she comes up with maybe you know her biggest dig in, in her Purdue career so far, which set up the the match-winning kill from Emma Ellis. So what went into that decision from one Emma to the other to bring in Terwilliger to serve there? Another sophomore with limited playing time that um, is a much better player than people would imagine because they just don't get to see her. Uh, Terwilliger is what we call a serving sub, and she comes in primarily, serves for our middle blocker maybe twice a game, twice a set. And uh, if she's in long enough, people can watch the plays that she's making. But she dug a great ball, cross-court shot, uh, on match point that uh, we transitioned into, um, you know, an Emma Ellis kill. So, um, yeah, Twilliger is doing some really good things. She plays with a lot of confidence, and she's kind of an unsung hero on our team. And I'm glad that you brought her up because, you know, she's the ultimate teammate. You know, here's a kid that could have gone to a lot of places and been a libero playing at, at Division One schools, but she loves Purdue. She came to Purdue, and she accepts her role, and she gives us everything she got she has every day in practice. And so, you know, you talk about Emma Terwilliger and the, the path that she has taken, and if we could take a little bit of time out to educate a few of the fans because there was a really emotional moment late in last season when she was, you know, told that she was not going to make the NCAA tournament roster just because of, of the amount of space. And so the journey that she's taken and the, I guess, chip that she's probably put on her shoulder here, and now she's an, an instrumental part of this 2019 team, and I would all but assume that she'll be making the, the tournament team if, we, if Purdue gets there in, in December. Yeah, that's one of the difficult things about when you when you make the NCAA tournament. For some reason, uh, they put a cap on how many people can practice and dress and warm up, uh, which in the world of gender equity, I still can't understand that, uh, why they do that. And so, uh, you know, if you, if you carry more than 15, you have to have those conversations with some people that uh, in this case are not going to be able to dress. And we had a rotation, you know, figured out for that deal where eventually, you know, that she, she would, but she was a freshman that it, last year wasn't playing a lot. And it, it, when you just did the, did the math as our staff did, uh, you know, she was, was at that point the odd person out. Well, she's not now. And um, she responded to that in a very mature way. And uh, again, she was a good player then. She's a much player now, but much better player now. And um, her, she's earned tremendous respect from her teammates because of what she does every day. Before I move on to these, you know, big homestand coming up, is there anything else that you want to touch on from at Northwestern, at Nebraska, or at Ohio State? Well, I think that it's important to point out that Ohio State really had their their lineup intact for the first time in six weeks. People look at Ohio State and they see a team that's right around 500 and going to struggle to to make the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to really beat some good teams, um, you know, in the second half of the Big Ten season. Um, but on the night we played them, um, they had um, Moore, a Janasia Moore, who's a really gifted outside hitter who had been out for over a month. She she had been back then for about a week. And then Witty, their their six foot four inch middle, who may be their most accomplished player that that is on their team currently, um, 
was released to play, you know, for our match, and really right like an hour before our match, she was released to play. So uh, they had, you know, all their players. We had all of our players. So it was a knockdown, drag out affair, and to get a road win in Columbus over the Ohio State volleyball program is is always a good win, and we'll see them again at our place down down the road. Yep, that home match on November fifteenth, a pack the house themed Friday night with Ohio State and then Saturday night against Maryland. So now let's focus on this weekend. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So Friday night versus Iowa, a, a resurgent bunch with a new head coach in, in Vicki Brown, who's been with the team for a few years, but has really, I guess, turned the team around. I mean, they had a big win last season with that home five-setter against Wisconsin, and that was just before, I believe, Purdue went to Iowa first, and then they came here, and five of the last six times that you've faced the Hawkeyes, it's gone five sets. And you've won four of those five, but it seems like every single time the two teams clash, yeah. it's, it's always a great one. Well, uh, keep in mind, Bon Shemansky um, was one of the highest paid coaches in our league and had gone in there and, and done a pretty good job of, of raising the level as of the program, doing a good job recruiting. Uh, bon was you know, released from that job um, during the, the summer. And uh, Vicki Brown initially was the interim, and then because they had a really good non-conference and the AD uh, really liked the way she was operating, they gave her a five-year contract. And I, I don't know that they're playing necessarily at a, at a higher level than they were the last couple of years because if you check, they were a bubble team for the last three or four years uh, in the NCAA tournament. At least I felt like they were good enough to be a bubble team. The numbers may have not have met that requirement. Um, but what I see when I watch their team, Daniel, is a much more relaxed, confident team on the floor. Um, not playing with as much pressure, but playing with more freedom. And, and that's really important, whether you know it's in men's or women's sports, to, to be able to play relaxed. And, they, and that Vicki Brown seems to have been able to bring some of that uh, to that, that team. And I think you'll see that when you, when you watch them. Hopefully not too much on on Friday night. Hopefully they won't play extremely relaxed. But on the home court, they really look good. I mean, they they waxed Indiana um, on Sunday afternoon. I, I watched that match on the Big Ten Network and was really impressed with defensively how well Iowa played, um, how controlled they were, uh, and they're young, but uh, they didn't they didn't play young in that match against Indiana. Iowa had a, an extremely tough non-conference schedule. They went to Virginia for a James Madison tournament and beat Washington State in three sets, a team that's still ranked in the top 25. Then they hosted Colorado and Washington, did not come out victorious in either of those. They swept Lipscomb, a familiar foe for Purdue, who the Boilermakers had in four sets this season. So Iowa comes up Friday night, 7 o'clock. I believe there's still tickets available, so go ahead and grab them if not. Well, unfortunately, both matches are now officially sold out for for this weekend. They sold 225 tickets yesterday. How about that? For the Iowa match, so that's that's good. Now, they will open up some tickets uh, on right around game time. So uh, if people really want to get in to see either one of those matches, um, if, if they're here right around game time, they'll, they'll check to see how many no-shows there are. And hopefully there won't be any no-shows, you know, as far as uh, season ticket holders and people that uh, are a block party, that they'll be jammed in like sardines. But um, if, if there are seats available, they will open up some for uh, other fans. Great. I wouldn't say that's unfortunately. Maybe unfortunately for the few that might want yeah. to go, but that'll yeah. be the third straight sellout for Purdue after selling out Illinois and Northwestern. And it feels like forever since the team has been home, 
and it doesn't get more important than the three matches following Iowa with Nebraska on Saturday and then Indiana on Halloween Eve and Minnesota the following Sunday. I don't want to ask you how many you need to win, but going into that Nebraska match, what do you think, what adjustments do you think need to be made against the same team you faced last week? Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I thought Nebraska played at a high level against us, but they're, they're used to doing that. That's what Nebraska does. They've got great athletes. They're not a real veteran bunch. They're, they're similar to us as far as uh, having some youth in their lineup. They play some freshmen, a left side and a libero are both freshmen. They've got some sophomores, one in the setting position, one in the middle hitting position. So we're similar in that regard. Um, we, we just let some things get to us a little bit, I thought. Uh, the short serve causes some problems up at Nebraska. As I mentioned, Cubic uh, was was really ripping the ball high and hard against us. Uh, I, we, we paid a lot of attention to Strivens, who is one of the two best middles in the Big Ten, one of the top five probably in the country. And uh, they, they went to her some, but almost used her more as a decoy uh, because they probably saw that we were leaning a little bit towards her. So we'll have a different defensive game plan this time when we go. We've been working on some different things, not just for Nebraska, but ways of making our defense better already. Um, and so I, I think we'll defend them a little bit better, and I think that uh, we'll be able to handle the short serve. We've, we've got some plans there as well. But Nebraska's just good. You know, when you're playing a team that is accustomed to going to the Final Four on a regular basis and they can recruit, you know, nationally and get about anybody they want, uh, there won't be anything easy about it. But uh, we'll be prepared, and uh, I think our fans will uh, enjoy the opportunity to see both teams play. And there's some cool giveaways as well this weekend for those that are heading to Holloway. A mini volleyball to the first 500 fans on Friday. And then a light box giveaway, which is a bit of a question mark to me. I guess I'll get surprised by whatever that is. Well, first of all, the volleyball is awesome. I oh, mean, yeah. it's, it's a molten, uh, I think it's a molten ball. I don't know for sure, that, uh, but it's a, it's a really nice uh, volleyball. It looks just like the ones that we use, only it's about a third of the size. And um, But that might be the nicest giveaway that... I can remember us having it at uh, at Purdue, and then the next night it is a little light box. It's about maybe I don't know six inches by four inches, and it comes with uh, little letters that you can put. Like uh, if you're leaving, you want to write something to your roommate or your wife or your husband or whatever else you can do. Or if you want something permanent up there, like Boiler Up, you can do that as well. So I went down and checked that out just on your behalf to make sure we would know uh, what we were getting into. Someone's doing the legwork. But great. thanks to our, our marketing department doing a heck of a job. You know, we're, I, we've sold out about every Big Ten match for the last three years, and uh, that's a great um, history to be establishing that we continue to do that, and uh, hopefully that our fans will show up and make a lot of noise. And so looking at Indiana, a team we're familiar with as well, the next three foes after Iowa are teams that, unless Minnesota has a personnel change, which they could, three teams that – you faced in the last three weeks that you, that you know. So how does the the scouting change? Does it change at all? Do you focus more on your own team and how they can you know adjust to the to the matches they've played against Nebraska, IU, and, and Minnesota? Well, two of those teams beat us, so we didn't do as good of a job as we should have in either preparing or playing against them. So um, we'll certainly find some things that we can do differently against them. Um, Indiana. Uh, you know, Newton did not play against the Hoosiers when we were down there, so we'll have a little bit different lineup. 
they're still playing a very similar lineup, at least as of Sunday they were, and not doing a whole lot of things uh, differently. But they're going to be angry when they come here. Um, they'll, they'll, this will be a big match for them. A lot of the teams, and this is the other thing that I was, was thinking you know, just during this past couple of days, is so many of the teams that we have played in the last three weeks are teams that have to win. I mean, their backs are already against the wall to, to, to make the tournament. So to think it was easy to go over and beat Ohio State, uh, despite the fact you're playing in a brand-new building on their court, or Indiana, or Northwestern, those were big, big matches for those teams. And they're big for us also. But I, I'm just proud that we went on the road and, and beat some teams that have good talent, that had their backs against the wall. Um, obviously, Nebraska we did not beat, but we'll have an opportunity um, to see if we can make some progress as a team when we see them on Saturday. Now let's jump into a fun segment called Fifth Set with Shondell, where we kind of you know, loosen the tie a little bit, have a little bit more fun. And the first question I'll have is, last season I remember we had a Halloween match. I believe it was against Michigan State. I know you wanted to have some, you wanted to do something fun pre-match. Are you going to dress up for for IU? You know, pull some sort of rabbit out of your Halloween hat? Uh, I, I don't see me dressing up uh, for that one. I sometimes in my 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 dreams or my imagination I do things like that. Okay, but I I'm not expecting to to do anything uh, crazy like that. I, I think that. My role that night is going to be as well prepared and, and as calm as I can be for the Hoosiers. But I hope our fans do. I don't know what the what the plan is that night for uh, Indiana, but uh, I know that uh, it's a Big Ten Network game. I'm pretty sure. Is that accurate, Daniel? Yep. Nebraska and and yeah. Indiana. And by golly, if we can't sell out for Indiana and and, and have one of the best crowds ever. Because uh, I love this team, and, and I've, I've pointed out several times, if if you're invested and you come out and you watch this team and you pay attention, I don't know how you can't enjoy this team. Our problem right now is we haven't had many home matches. I think we've had five. Six, maybe. Six, maybe, yeah. maybe more than that. Um, maybe we've had – actually, we've had seven because we've had, we've had six dates. We've had seven home matches, and usually at this point in the season, we may have had 12 by now. So our fans really haven't had the opportunity to truly embrace this team and get to know them the way that you and I do. But this is a wonderful group of players, and they're talented. Uh, we're young, but uh, you know we're, we're building a, a really good nucleus for the future. And uh, you talk about high-character, quality young people. We have them on this team, and I think our fans will love them. Playing it at, at Nebraska had me thinking about crazy names in volleyball history because I, I really can't think of one in – recent history better than than Kenzie Knuckles just one of those just a great name especially for a libero who constantly gets her knuckles onto the ball can you think of a couple good ones that, that you've either had or you've seen in the last few years that are just great volleyball names <laughs> I might need a little more time to think about that one um, <laughs> you know I liked Ariel Turner you know Ariel Turner was an all-american here at Purdue was the big 10 player of the year um, and just the fact that she you know she got a lot of air when she jumped you know that was a, a pretty good name but I'd have to have a little more time for that. I've, I've been focused more on just trying to get our team ready as to be being creative and thinking of, of some of those names. But there have been some, some great names. You know, anytime you got a, an athlete named Sky, that's a great name for, for volleyball or uh, Hammer or different things like that. But uh, uh, I'll, I'll think about that and try to get back to you. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that one yeah. and come back in a few weeks for the next episode. 
there are a couple big, big games, and I just wanted to talk broadly about some of, sure. the, some of the big games in the nation this week. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. There's a huge one on Wednesday night nationally on the Longhorn Network where Baylor, the number one team in the nation, gets their first top 10 test when they go to Texas, a team that's 12-2, and 6-0 in the conference, number four in the nation. You were, you were a voter in the AVCA. Where did you have Baylor and Texas, and who do you think has an advantage? Well, I had Baylor number one. Uh, the, I think the only undefeated team uh, in the nation of any uh, real strength of schedule. And I think I had Texas four or five, uh, to be honest. I'm not 100% sold on either of those teams yet because I haven't seen them enough. And I don't know what that their schedule has indicated that they're better than a Stanford or a Wisconsin or a Nebraska or even a Minnesota as far as that's concerned. I, I think there's a lot to still be played out this season. And I think it will be real interesting when uh, the committee gets together. It's, it's always interesting when the committee gets together, first of all. But when they try to pick the, the four teams that are going to be seated at the top and, and if they win their sub-regionals will be hosting uh, the regional rounds because that's a real benefit um, those four teams and right now I guess you would say it would be what would be Baylor Stanford uh, they have Pitt up that high Pitt in Texas right now that's the ABCA yeah, poll right which, has, which really has nothing to do with what the committee would do but I mean I would look at that and, and think that you know Stanford um, Wisconsin would have to be in there either Nebraska or Minnesota and then either Texas or Baylor is how I would look at that. But that's that's just me with uh, probably a little bit of a bias towards the best conference in the country um, who's knocking their heads against each other all the time. But uh, I think with that match being at Texas, if Baylor goes in there and wins that match, then they've put uh, a, a real staple on uh, being a seeded team down the stretch because I don't know who else is going to be able to beat them. But some of their scores, if you watch scores, people have been playing them closer. Um, uh, Iowa State played them fairly close the other day with as far as scores, game scores are, are concerned. So, I mean, I think they got a good team. The guy's just uh, done a tremendous job of, of taking Baylor from an, an also-ran in their conference to where they're number one in the country. Great job there. Texas is young but extremely talented, as they always are. I think that Texas is the ideal place to recruit volleyball players to. Texas has become maybe the best state in the country for volleyball, and, and Texas does a, a heck of a job of, uh, of recruiting, and it seems like they've got great athletes every year. That will be a great match to watch tonight. Yep, Ryan McGuire in his fifth season with Baylor. They have another meeting with Texas November 20th. That'll be their only remaining ranked match. So if they win this one in Texas, they'd have to do a lot to drop out of mm. that top four. And I want to correct myself. They have played a top 10 team. Wisconsin, right? They went to Wisconsin, beat yep. them in four. They also faced Creighton and swept them at the time Creighton was 10. And they've swept Marquette, who was 11th ranked at the time. So that'll be yeah. a fun one. A couple other good matches this week. Another one tonight, Wednesday night, as we mentioned, will be Penn State versus Illinois. That one will be on BTN at 8 o'clock. So if you have two screens, you can throw Baylor, Texas up. You can throw Penn State, Illinois. If you have a third screen, you can throw on the World Series but maybe that's just going to be me. And then uh, one other top 20 bout this this weekend, and, and I want to get your take on, on the Pac-12 before we wrap up here. Utah and Washington are going to face off, and it seems like those are the second and third best teams behind Stanford uh, I, so far. Well, I think Cal's in that mix too. I, I really do. I, I think that Cal probably 
might have an edge on Utah. I think they beat Utah um, recently, but I may have that mixed up, but I think that's that's accurate. Stanford playing without Plummer right now uh, the last couple of matches, and somebody, I think it was Utah, that had, had set point uh, at Stanford and couldn't finish, finish the job. But, of course, when the player of the year is not playing, they're not going to be as as good, but that still surprised me. Uh, Stanford has just not been what everybody thought that they were going to be yet. But it's okay not to be where you, where you need to be right now. It, it's really important if you're Stanford that you're there at the end of the season. And I'm sure Kevin will do a good job of making that happen. But Washington, when I watched them play Wisconsin when, during a stretch where Wisconsin wasn't playing at a high level, Washington looked very, very good. Where's that match at, that Utah-Washington uh, match? That one's in Utah. So Utah's coming off of that road weekend where they took Cal to five and lost and then had set point in the fourth in Stanford yeah. and lost in five. And, and you know, as you look at it as a, as a pollster, those really aren't even losses in, in my mind. I mean, those those show me that, that Utah is probably even better than what they've been given credit for it. Uh, or, or Cal and Stanford aren't as good as what they're given credit for, either way you want to look at it. But... Uh, you know, the Pac-12 is very similar to the Big Ten. I don't think it's quite as strong, you know, across the board. There are people that might argue with that. But, uh, it, you know, if you're playing the top top level, the top uh, half of that league, and, and you're competing and you're winning, you've got a heck of a, heck of a squad in, in, in the sport of volleyball. Yep, and then a reminder that Washington went and beat Stanford. That's the, the Cardinal one loss this year. In league play. In conference, yeah, correct. Yeah. So that'll wrap up this uh, fifth set with Sean Dell. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to a great weekend, Daniel, and I hope our fans will come out and really make the noise this weekend because, as you kind of alluded to earlier, we're at a point right now where we have to make some hay. Um, I think we've held our own uh, so far, being on the road so much and playing some of the best teams in our league already. Uh, but now we get some of those really good teams at home, and uh, we, we have to get some wins if we hope to be – um, you know, one of those 16 seeds at the end of the season. Perfect. Boiler up. Coming up next, a special edition of Befriend the Boiler. We're going to wrap up our freshman roundup as Maddie Cook is coming up next. Stay tuned. Now it's time to befriend the boiler. Every episode, I'll sit down with a couple of the student athletes that you guys watch and listen to every single day so you can better get to know them. Today, we've got a freshman outside hitter from Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin, Maddie Cook. Maddie, did I say that right? Yeah, I'm surprised. How are you doing today? <laughs> Great. So how's your freshman year been so far? We're halfway through the season. Everything's going good, pretty smooth. So today, what we'll do is kind of have a little bit of rapid fire so we can we can get inside the head of Maddie Cook. First question, if you had one meal that you can have, last meal of your life, what would it be? I'd have my mom make one of my favorite pastas, probably just spaghetti. <laughs> you have any pregame rituals or superstitions? Um, with ankle braces, socks, and shoes, I always have to put right foot on before left. Because otherwise it's bad luck. <laughs> okay, bad luck. And then, what's your best volleyball memory or moment? Um, senior year of high school, when we won conference, and we thought we were going to choke because we were down two sets, and then we came back in five. So when that you're, was a highlight. <laughs> when you're inside the match, you think you're going to choke? We all thought we were going to lose, but then our coach told us to get it together, and we got fired up and kind of switched it around. Is there anything that, that Dave has told you guys in the middle of a match that's kind of turned stuff around? You know, it goes by really fast, so I can't really remember right now. <laughs> I'm sure he has. Why'd you pick Purdue? Um, obviously, it's a great volleyball school and academics, but 
I love that it's in the Midwest. <laughs> so it feels a lot like home. What is home like? Um, cold. <laughs> but a lot of good food, good people, really nice, comfortable. So when you were growing up in Wisconsin, what did you want to be when you grew up? I used to want to be a lawyer because, I, I don't know, I was told that I argue a lot, so <laughs> being a lawyer would be good for me, but I don't think I could do that anymore. <laughs> no, you don't want to be a lawyer? No, I'm going to major in psychology, so I'd like to become like a family counselor. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. What's one song or like a singer that you like to listen to to pump you up before a match? <laughs> Kesha. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite song? Um, oh, I can't think of it right now. But she, uh, she's a good one, woman. <laughs> okay. That's good for the locker room. I like Die Young. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. That one, too. Do you have any goals that you've set yourselves for your career at Purdue? Um, I haven't been thinking very long-term yet, but, like, short-term goals. I think that this is just going to be such a great year for the team, so I just want to, like, be that, like, really supportive teammate. And, like, that's my goal for this year. What would be your dream job if you could do anything from any field? Um, I always thought it'd be kind of cool to be a pilot. Well, you're at the <laughs> right school. Travel, yeah. <laughs> and I know they do a lot of like boring like flying, but you get to travel so much. So if they get off days, I'd like that. <laughs> Speaking of traveling, what's been your favorite road trip city? Ooh, I really like Louisville. There's a lot to do there. We haven't been there yet, though. I know, <laughs> but I hope we go there. <laughs> but, okay, we had a tournament to Nashville. That was amazing. We ate so good when we went there. I love their barbecue, so that was fun. Yeah, you're not the first person that's that's talked about the barbecue. <laughs> that was Emma Ellis's favorite meal. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, last question here, and it's, it's kind of like a, an interesting one because coaches talked about you in practice so much and how you kind of dominate in practice. Is there a mentality you take in practice that – you kind of own it here as a freshman? Oh, part of it's like, I think you can only control so much of practice and games. So whenever you are on the court, you just have to be super confident and like try to do your job, whether it's practice or in a game, like just try to show up. All right. Thanks so much, Maddie. Thank you. That was Maddie Cook in our episode of Befriend a Boiler. That'll do it for this podcast episode of Dig City. The 20th ranked Boilermakers are at home for eight of their next 10. They've got Iowa on Friday and then Nebraska, the fifth ranked team in the nation, a rematch on Saturday night here in Holloway. Until next time, I'm Daniel Gilman and this is Dig City Pretty Volleyball.